Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Let faith rise up. I wonder how many times what we're battling is more of a faith issue than anything else. The spiritual makes concrete changes in the physical. Peter is out on the, on the water, literally concrete beneath his feet, something that shouldn't ever happen. And here you guys are, we're here in this series. If you were with us last week, we started a series called We Can't Stop. And it's been, uh, it's going to be a really quick series, only three weeks long, but it's been tackling a few things, going back to the basics and a lot of stuff. And as you can see, whether you're watching in, in person with us or online, uh, we have um, an interesting culture going on where sometimes we can be all together and other times we have to take a week off and be online. But I just want to go ahead. If you haven't been greeted online, those who are watching on Facebook, thank you for being with us. Those who may be stepping in for the first time, uh, my name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here, and I'm excited to dive into this series. Last week, if you were with us, uh, it wasn't about the spiritual world at all. Um, It was about unity that we can't stop being united, that we can't stop living in unity. And as we press forward this morning, I, I invite you to step into a different topic, right? We've been here, step out onto the water, onto something maybe a little uh, harder to talk through, our spiritual world. It's very interesting. I promise I'm not a weirdo. I'm not some mystic person, but we always do one of two things. We either swing the pendulum over to where you're a little crazy, a little kooky when it talks to spiritual stuff, or you're on the opposite end and you don't even recognize that it's there. One, one, one or the other, we're always at one of those extremes, right? We struggle to own the fact that our spiritual world is connected to our physical. In fact, goodness, you were redeemed by that which was spiritual. And it has transformed everything that you are in the physical. And so we have been in this series, and if you remember, it's all about consistency. In other words, I said this last week, it's about doing often that which we tend to do sometimes. Right? I mean, if you want growth, you can um, start new things. That's good. And you can finish old things. That's also good. But the best way to grow is to do often, start doing often that which you only do sometimes. And so we talked about unity last week, being united more often than we, we tend to do. Uh, maybe some of you connected with this uh, phrase. Some of you got, got little giggles last week. Um, but instead of doing things that we do once in a while, we can start growing to do them twice in a while. And then once we start doing them twice in a while, we can grow to do them thrice in a while, right? I get that that might not be a word, but you you understand we have to grow looks like doing often that which we used to do sometimes. And I think as we fight and step out into the spiritual, that's a once in a while thing that has to grow into being often thing. It has to grow into being an often thing. Now, I'll tell you, uh, you have to trust me. I'm not a weirdo when it comes to this, but I am a man who serves a God who is a spiritual God. That we worship a God who is a spiritual God. And I think a lot more than we over, like, than we like to admit, a lot more things are connected. 
And in fact, there is a spiritual layer to all of it. I wrote a few things down. You know how hate and injustice has been rampant in our city. That's a physical issue, but it's a spiritual issue. It might have some physical uh, ripple effects attached to it. Rape, abuse, poverty. Those are spiritual pains just as much as they are physical. There are spiritual pains just as much as they are physical and as people who are redeemed. Paul says, transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We have to live as image bearers to see that there is more. See that there is more. So I would like, I'd love, will you just in, come with me on this little journey this morning of saying, okay, God, if you've asked me to take a step out of the boat, to realize that this world, there's a lot more things, maybe things that I need to overcome that I haven't, or maybe things that in my life and my job that need to be overcome that uh, I can bring about. Jesus, I'll look to you and I'll make the step. If you, if you join me on this, I got some passages to read. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says this, we live as human beings. I mean, it was a human being who walked on that water. But we don't wage war according to human standards. That even though I am a man, a redeemed man, I wrote this down. My war is not fought through the nine to five. My war is not fought through the crazy traffic when I want to honk my horn. That's not me. That's, that's how the world operates in their anger. It's, it's not fought through scheming and planning the war. It's not fought through uh, divisiveness, through money, success, power. I don't use my own hands. We have to see things as a little bit different. And so Paul continues. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not merely human. In other words, they're not merely physical in nature. They're not just material, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, I just feel this might be weird. Um, Kate, can you invite the band in this morning? Uh, I think that they need to hear this as well. We have divine power to destroy strongholds. What is a stronghold? Some of you, a stronghold looks like the thing that has literally prohibited you from talking about that conversation, even though you know you need to say it. Some, some of you, a stronghold is, is that relationship that needs redemption, yet you haven't asked for it. A stronghold sometimes is the very thing that has kept you up at night with those dreams, those uh, worries, those stresses. A stronghold, sometimes it's a stronghold of past abuse that you still haven't worked through. Stronghold of past memories, bitterness of generational wounds. We have strongholds that have to be dealt with. And he continues, we don't just destroy strongholds, we destroy false reasoning. False reasoning, anything that is wrong thinking in us, around us. And he says, and we destroy every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive. I love this. He's talking about not just the strongholds around us, the arguments around us, the false reasoning, but then he goes back to, but personally, like, there's a war raging in my own head and I have to take captive every thought and make it obedient. Some of you, your stronghold lies in the fact that you don't take captive every thought. Whew. Take captive every thought and make it obedient. We can't stop seeing this as a reality. Why? Because there's strongholds. And I wrote this down, strongholds tear apart relationships by the hour. 
Strongholds destroy and knock out spiritual confidence day by day. Strongholds in your life, false reasoning is what convinces people to self-harm. Think about that. Self-harm, self, uh, false reasoning, strongholds, they support the advancement of injustice in our city. Strongholds are what keep you up, me up at night. Strongholds are the oppressive feeling that you have when you, when you know you need to talk about something, but you don't. These are real and pervasive in our culture, and we have them as sons and daughters of the living king. But come, Jesus says, come. Overcome that which has overcome you. And I love it's a day-by-day thing. What overcome me yesterday, Jesus is inviting me with his power to step out on in faith, in faith. And so as we get into this today, I just have three things for us and, and we're, we're gonna be, we're gonna just tie it up. Three different truths. And this is why. Um, I don't know if you've ever gone to counseling before. I, I have, uh, part of my uh, undergrad was in counseling. There is a, a practice as a counselor of normalizing things. Maybe you've been in, been in uh, counseling classes or maybe you've been counseled. One of the first things the counselor does is to normalize that which you're going through, to normalize it because the the worry that the enemy loves to get us caught up in is I'm all alone this is abnormal this isn't right this isn't fair this is uh, unjust and it may be but you need the person who can say you're not alone this is normal that you are correct you are feeling valid things you normalize it and we have a holy spirit who is a great counselor and I think these three statements, I want you to write them down. They, you don't have to remember them word for word, but they are going to be statements that will help you normalize the spiritual fight. Does this make sense? I have a Holy Spirit who is a gentle counselor, and he wants to normalize every day. Hey, Greg, you're not alone. Hey, Greg, these are the things I want you to realize. Hey, Greg, I, your, your feelings are valid, or hey, Greg, those aren't valid. Let me normalize this. And so the first one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down, this is more connected than I think. This is more connected than I think. I don't know if you realize this, but we had some struggle with setup. And uh, there was some struggle with, uh, with the tracks this morning. And man, I wanted you in here because it's more, it's more connected than we think. The enemy realizes there is oppression going on. There is uh, hurts and hangups, right, that, that we have been called out by faith to step on. Jesus says, I've given you power to step on scorpions. Like, that's just weird. I'm like, I, I just would rather, you know, kill a scorpion, but not, I don't want my foot touching it. Um, but he gives us the power to overcome. And we have to realize this is more connected than we think. So Paul speaks this in Ephesians. He says, for our struggles, not against enemies. It's not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers. Now I'm like, hold up. That sounds a little more mystical than I'm ready for. Cosmic powers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. But Paul understands something, that a setback of today might be a physical setback, but there are spiritual ripple effects and it's all connected. A setback today might be a setback or this thought or this reoccurring anxiety may be that, and I can normalize it in human stands, but no, my struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against other powers that I can't see, and it's more connected to me than I think. So I have this morning 
a little bit of a story. All right? It's all connected. Uh, there was a, a young woman in my ministry, uh, mine, mine and Kate's, when we were, were serving as youth ministers. Uh, I was a youth pastor for almost seven years, and there was a girl that grew up in our ministry, and she is amazing. She's no longer in high school, but when she was, um, Kate and I have known her for years. And uh, for some reason, when she was a junior, their school issued a new reading novel, that uh, they hadn't done before. And I don't remember what the book was, but it was a heavy book. It talked about, um, and this are high school students having to read this. It talked about at a certain age in this um, world created by the author, at a certain age, a family unit, a parent, a parental figure can decide to have their child torn apart and used for science. Like literally, she was reading this, torn apart. I don't even understand. I think it was like unbound is how they called it or unwound. I don't, but essentially a parent, if they did not like the trajectory of their child's behavior, where they were looking, if, if they're not behaving in a certain way at a certain age, a parent could have their child be unbound, be pulled apart and used for science. And so I don't understand, but they were reading this. And as she was reading this, she felt this super heaviness. And I can understand, as these words were coming to her mind, there was so much heaviness. And I remember, because she began feeling nervous. It was only a week into reading this book, she was feeling nervous. She was looking over her shoulder. She was feeling heavy and weighted down. And so she talked to her parents one night, and they were like, let's pray over this. And you're not going to read this book anymore. Like, we're done. And so that was a Saturday night they decided that. At my home every Sunday, uh, my wife led them in a small group. And so she asked if she could talk to us afterwards. And so she was in our, our, our house. The other girls were waiting outside, and she was explaining this book. And we're like, you're reading that? Yes. And she was like, in fact, like anytime it's beside me or around me, I just feel fear. And I can't, and I feel like embarrassed by this. I didn't want to say it in front of the other girls because no one else seems to be having this problem, but I'm feeling fear. Essentially, the story followed along uh, the, the teenagers who escaped their parents. They were unwanted. The, these teenagers were, were little of little value in their society. And so the, it's, it followed the run of these kids trying to escape being killed from their parents. And she's like, I, I just, it's too heavy. And as she's saying this, as she's saying this, her body seizes. And I'm not... Like, this is the first time I've ever experienced something like her body seized, her hands seized, and she fell on our couch, just frozen. Frozen. The first thing I did, I ran outside, said, girls, come in here. I was like, you, call her mom. You, has she ever done, has this ever happened before? And the girls are like, no, 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 what's happening, what's happening? And then I'm, I'm frantic, and Kate goes, Greg, Pray. And I, it's just my wife to, to uh, bring it back to the right thing. Um, because I'm just like frantic. I don't know what to do. Greg, pray. And so I held her hand. I remember. Held her hand. And I couldn't even muster out a prayer. But what I did say, I said, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And instantly, like I'm not even joking, instantly, like the, the book of Mark says instantly all the time. Like I've experienced instantly. And it was in that, in that uh, house on my couch, instantly she blinked. It was like, what happened? 
obviously the girls started crying and we got to talk that evening about the difference between oppression and possession, right? That oppression is a physical, uh, it's, it's weighted down. And I will tell you, I say this story because what she needed to know that day, what you need to know is that everything is connected. Things are more connected than you think. So let me tell you about this girl. I freaking love her. Can I say freaking as a pastor? She is one of the women of God, and I hope that she's watching this right now. She is one of the women of God that I fully believe will say one day, mountain move, and that mountain will move. Like, I'm not even joking. This girl's faith is beautiful and powerful. She is of pure heart, and she has a gorgeous spirit. And I hope she's watching right now. I asked her to share this story if I had her permission. One day she will say mountain move and it will move. But one thing I've known about her when she was in junior high, she's a quiet and, and, and small voice. And that has, in that in the enemy's words, twisted into you have a small self. You're of little value. You're unwanted. You're less than. And so as a girl who's grown up with this being the unwarranted lie that she's never even noticed, and now she's reading it, displayed what happens to kids who are unwanted, as it's more connected than we think. And the oppression that was inside became very present on the outside. And we have to realize how connected this all is. The enemy knows exactly what he was doing and wanting her to read that book and speaking those lies and, and maybe word for word, some of her thoughts. But what I know is that though it is all connected, the moment Jesus comes, ha, power. So I say all of this because the anxiety that you felt in the workplace because one person is there that you weren't prepared to see that person or that personality. The reason you feel overwhelmed there is because it's all connected. It might be connected to something that needs healing. The reason certain situations feel really heavy or fearful for you is because it's all connected. The reason you don't want to talk about certain people or, or go to certain areas or the reason uh, th that anxiety comes upon that project at work is because it's all connected. And we have to start asking God, what are the dots? Because the enemy knows what he's doing and trying to connect it. But our God knows what he's doing and bringing us healing through it. Does that make sense? The enemy knows what he's doing and connecting it, but our God knows what he is doing and bringing healing through it. So we have to say, and this is a normalizing thing, the setback of yesterday is more connected than you think. The setback of this morning is more connected than you think. And there's a second statement that I need you to speak into your day. And it's this one, that there is a truth being suppressed. There's a truth being suppressed in every statement, in every context, in every direction, in every day, in every conversation. The enemy will push to suppress a truth in it. And we have to believe as spiritual people that there is a spiritual realm and the enemy is pushing for truth to be suppressed. That night on my couch, truth of you have immense value. You are a child of God. 
The truth of it wasn't a large and seen and boisterous mustard seed that will move a mountain. It is a tiny mustard seed. There is reason you feel tiny. Stop giving it glory uh, to, to the fear, but glorify in the fact that your non-unseen self is going to do great and godly things one day. There is a beautiful truth that the enemy wants to suppress today. And on my couch... The moment we recognize Jesus in the room, Jesus, everyone is of value to Jesus. There is truth that is being suppressed. And I wrote this down that uh, the word, words are huge, right? Have you ever realized in John 1 when it says the word became flesh, Jesus? Jesus is literally talked about as the word of God, that the word became flesh. Words are powerful. And the enemy, though, uh, he, can't ma- he can't make things, he can't make words become flesh. What he can do is manipulate flesh for his outcome. Does that make sense? Like he can't, he's not omniscient like our God who can speak and reality changes. Our God, he speaks and things change, but the enemy, he speaks to um, try to change things that are already there. And so he will suppress a truth because he doesn't want the change that that truth will bring about. Does that make sense? And so he's suppressing it. He suppresses it. Peter that day, there was a suppressed truth. And so he saw the wind and started sinking. There is a suppressed truth. And when we begin acknowledging that, uh, that when it's all connected, that there's a truth being suppressed, we can start speaking, okay, day, okay God, like today, what, what truth are you suppressing? All right, that was a really hard situation that I just came through, but what truth is being suppressed. What truth are you trying to speak that is being suppressed, God? What truth is being quenched? Do you want to hear a blunt statement that I've had to teach myself? It'll be a, maybe I struggle to hear God here because I've learned another voice above his own. Insert whatever you want to hear. Maybe I struggle to hear God with this addiction, or maybe I struggle to hear God in this context, or maybe I struggle to hear God when it comes to my body image, or maybe I struggle to hear God when it comes to my value as a man or a woman, or maybe I struggle to hear God with this or about, uh, about the love, what love looks like. Maybe I struggle Because I have learned another voice above my own, and voices are everywhere, right? Voice of culture, voice of comfort, voice of media, voice of doubt, voice of pride, voice of worldly wisdom. I mean, goodness, our world has a lot of good wisdom. You can Google anything. For real. I fear in our age that we turn to Google more than we turn to God. And then we wonder why we struggle to hear God. Because we hear Google. And I I just like... I. Some of you, you know who I'm talking about. You have a need and you want it answered like that, so you'll Google it. I'm okay with you using that technique. That's great. But when was the last time you had a need and you went to God? And then he spoke, okay, you can Google it. You can Google. But for real though, we don't go to God and maybe I struggle to hear God here because I've learned another voice above his own, above his own. And sadly, this is where that uh, once-in-a-while thing could, should probably turn into a twice-in-a-while thing. In fact, think about it. A once-in-a-while truth, do you hear me? A once-in-a-while truth cannot change a most-of-the-time thought. Like, that's just, right? Think about that. A once-in-a-while truth cannot change a most-of-the-time thought. 
uh, most of the time action, and most of the time reaction. And so bluntly speaking, your connection with God's word cannot be from what Pastor Greg reads on Sunday. Your connection to God's word cannot be that once in a while time where you open up the Bible app. You will keep falling. You won't be able to get to this normalizing effect of of asking, okay, God, what truth is being suppressed? Because we know truth because we hear him. We've read him. We know his words. And so we can never speak against the suppression of truth if we don't listen when he speaks. The once in a while truth cannot change a most of the time thought, a most of the time action. And so this is something that we can turn to twice in a while. Like, I'm not asking you to, uh, to wake up every morning and, and, and dive into three hours of scripture reading. That would be great, but uh, it would also be very daunting for you. And I don't know if you'd get anything out of it yet. But a once in a while to a twice in a while to a thrice in a while to a four times in a while. I don't know how to make that one uh, work. Um, That is where growth will come. That's when you hear the word of the Lord. And then you can be like this. You start asking, hey God, what, what truth is being suppressed in my life? Hey God, if you're married, what truth is being suppressed in my spouse that I may speak into it? Hey God, what truth is being suppressed in my kids? Hey God, what truth is being suppressed at work? Hey God, what truth is being suppressed with my friend? who's going through this, or hey God, what truth is being suppressed? Because that's when we win the war in the spiritual, right? That's when we win the war. Hey God, what truth is being suppressed? But we cannot if we don't hear him. So the last statement, not only do we uh, need to realize this is more connected than I think. All right, all right, Greg, there is a truth that's being suppressed. So what is it? The last one is there is a prayer that needs to be prayed. And you, you want to simplify that? This is basic. But I don't pray as much as I, I, I should. There is a truth being suppressed and there's a prayer that needs to be prayed. So Peter knew, I'm sinking, Jesus help me. That was the prayer that needed to be prayed. There's a girl on my couch, I didn't know what to say. Jesus is here, was the prayer that needs to be prayed. There, at every time, at every day, at every moment, there is a prayer that needs to be prayed. I wrote this. This is one largely overused weapon, or underused, sorry. Vast, large, underused weapon is prayer. It's the heart-opening and vulnerable dialogue with a God who's there. Hey, God, you're standing in front of me, so I'm going to be vulnerable and just say I don't know what to do. That was the prayer to be prayed because the truth that was being suppressed is there was nothing to do. Oh, there is. It's prayer. So do it. Right? Like, we have to work through this. Uh, this is more connected than I think. There's a truth being suppressed. In that room, it was God is here. And so now I can say, Jesus, I'm going to recognize you. Right? There is truths being suppressed. And that, therefore, leads us to pray a prayer. And that's so simple. But a once in a while prayer isn't going to change a thought. Let's move it to twice in a while. Let's pray in our day. Let's pray at the beginning. Pray on your drive to work. Pray while you're getting ready. Pray if if you've been struggling with what the world speaks about your beauty versus God, pray when you get ready in the day. Pray while you go down the stairs. Pray while you leave. Pray when you come home. Pray when you before you have a conversation. It's, it's so basic, but we don't do it. In every situation, there's a truth being suppressed and a prayer that needs to be prayed. Why? Because it's all connected. More connected than I think. And so when I was in high school, 
actually don't do this as much as I should. When I was in high school um, and in college, there was a prayer from Scripture. Uh, some of you, it'll be up here. You can write it down. It's the message version of Ephesians 6.13. I, I changed all the U's to I's so that I could remember it. But here it is. I would pray this over and over and over. I don't even have to look. It's memorized. I must be prepared. God, I'm up against far more than I can handle on my own. So I will take all the help that I can get. Every weapon that you have issued. Every weapon. And I'd be like, okay, God, I must be prepared. I am up against today far more than I can handle on my own. I will take all the help that I can get, every weapon that you have issued so that when it is all over, when the day is over, when this conversation is over, when this temptation is over, when this fear is over, when this anxiety is over, when this is over, but the shouting of everything around me, I will still be on my feet. And it was this prayer that I had to pray, and literally my, my testimony, I needed this. When temptation came, when a desire set in, this was my prayer. Before the conversation, this was my prayer. Before a day began, this is my prayer. Before I entered the halls where I would see someone, that person and the memories would flood in and the guilt and the regret, this was my prayer. Before I allowed my mind to drift down on those thoughts or that shame or that guilt or that worry, this was my prayer. God, I must be prepared because I'm up against far more than I can handle on my own. I will take all the help that I can get. There's a prayer that needs to be prayed. Before I spiral down in anxiety, this is my prayer. Before I go to what is easier versus what is holier, this is my prayer. You see, we, we overcomplicate the spiritual world. This is my prayer. Maybe this could be yours. Maybe this could be yours. I mean, the only prayer that, that I used to pray was this, the only like heart opening, and this would lead me into more, right? Like this would be the gate opening. All right, Jesus, I must be prepared. And this is something, oh goodness, this is something you can do. And what we don't realize is that when we do these three normalizing things, this is more connected than I think. There is a truth being suppressed, and there is a prayer that needs to be prayed. When we do that, we literally begin doing the armor of God that Paul talked about, that he wrote about, that we just say, oh, that's cute, right? Like, I remember in, in children's ministry when I learned the armor of God, there's a catchy little song. I don't know about you, but I've overlooked it as an adult. Like, you know, strong and put on the armor. Like, that's cute. The armor of God. Oh, that's cute. But literally, when we do these three normalizing things, we are doing that text. So let me end with reading it over you and showing you how. Like, it is powerful when we look at it in this way. God knew what he was doing. And, and the armor of God is, it starts at, you see this, it says Ephesians 6.13. The armor of God starts at Ephesians 6.14. Right after this, God knew what he was doing in inspiring Paul to write this. And so he says, stand therefore, right? So I must be prepared because I'm up against far more than I can handle on my own. And so when everything is done except the shouting, I want to still be on my feet. And so Paul says, stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. Pause. Some of you girls, you wear, you wear belts, right? There's a reason to, right? You, 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 we wear belts when things fall down. Have you ever heard the biblical phrase, gird up your loins? It's one of my favorites. It's in the Old Testament. I promise you, like, it's one of my favorite 
phrases of scripture, it says, gird up your loins. And the reason is because in that day and age, if they were going to move, if they were going to work and, and, and move quickly, swiftly, they would have a heavy tunic. And the only way they could swiftly move forward is if they girded up their loins so that they could walk with nothing in front of them. That is the power of the belt, right? Everything that would typically be in my hands can now be in my belt. Everything that would flow freely, that would trip me up, can now be hoisted together, held tightly by the belt. Now, we, we can oversimplify that. But think about it this way. There's a truth being suppressed and there's no wonder you are dragging throughout your day. It's because there's no belt of truth around your waist. There's no wonder why it feels like you were moving slowly. God, there's nothing changing. It's probably because there's a truth being suppressed and there's no belt of truth around your waist to gird up those loins so that you can move swiftly, right? Like this is a reason This is more connected than I think, and there's a truth being suppressed. So around my waist is this belt. And then the next one, right? There's a breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate literally is what helps your, um, you know, vital organs, your weak spots. And I wonder how many times our weak spots have been left open because we pursue righteousness as good deeds versus just Jesus, A weak spot for Peter that night was, um, there's wind, right? A weak spot is looking over and doubting. Why do you doubt, Jesus said. But if he could have pursued righteousness, right in front of him was the breastplate. Like, this is why we say, stop, like, thinking about not sinning. Just focus on Jesus. Because not sinning is not the uh, righteousness. Jesus is. And so there's a truth being suppressed and a prayer needing to be prayed. There's a breastplate of righteousness that's going to protect my weak spots. Because God, you know when I go in here, I must be prepared because I'm going to be weak. This is a weak spot. So there's a breastplate. And the last one that I just want to press in on is the shoes of your feet, right? That wherever you go, you'd be ready to proclaim. Every moment there is a, it's all connected, right? There's a truth to be suppressed. So God, I need the gospel of peace. There's a prayer that needs to be prayed, so I need to proclaim the gospel of peace. Prepare me. Make me ready to do it. Make me ready to bring it, because where I'm going, there's already a truth being suppressed. Where I've come from, there's a truth that was suppressed. So God, give me clarity to walk. And then he speaks this, the ending. With all of these, take the shield of faith which can quench the arrows, the helmet of salvation, which has renewed you, has made you new, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You see, if we normalize the fact that this is more connected than we think, and I will keep saying this until you remember, if you normalize the fact that there's a truth being suppressed and you normalize the fact that there's a prayer to be prayed, you will involuntarily not realize you're arming yourself for the day. So as we end this morning, will you pray with me? Because there's a prayer that needs to be prayed in this room. And so with all of us like bowing our heads, realizing that this is more connected than we think, let's pray. Father, in your presence, there is freedom. God, I pray that we can begin to realize that the pain of yesterday is more connected today than we tend to think And it has suppressed some truth of your word. You speak value where it speaks in in value. 
You speak power where it speaks weakness. You speak freedom where it speaks addiction. And so God, can we just sit and own the fact that you are speaking a truth in front of us, that you've given us the power to step over. You've given us the power to overcome the water which should envelop us. So Jesus, teach us to pray like you do. Teach us to notice you in the room. Give us clarity and sight so that in all and through all, you would be glorified. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.